0: Because I think that what we do eventually between countries, between functions, everything is fundamentally teamwork. And so trying to partition everything, I think that's kind of wishful thinking. It doesn't happen in a, in a teamwork uh, environment. Um, and so we, we must be okay actually having responsibilities that overlap a little bit, not trying to split, uh, split everything.
1: that helps you open and thrive in foreign markets. This is Steve here speaking, and if you're listening to this podcast, it's probably because you're about to expand into new markets or you're already doing sales in foreign markets and you're looking to do better. Amazing and great choice, as I firmly believe that to achieve high growth, you need to expand beyond your borders. However, have you thought about how your headquarters should support your international expansion? Well, today, I welcome Florent Garcia, Business Operation and New Market Director at Alma. He uses the background of Alma's two years of market expansion with a presence now in 11 markets to share how their HQ organization has evolved over time to support their international growth. Hi Florian, thank you so much for being here on the International Corner Podcast. How are you today? Hi Tiffen, my pleasure. I'm great, thanks. <laughs> cool. I'm very excited to to talk about HQ organization and, and how you guys manage to support uh, the expansion of your international markets. But perhaps can you start by an intro of yourself, your role and uh, Alma?
0: Uh, sure. Well, I'm, uh, I'd say I'm... Uh, Business engineer. Uh, I, I studied engineering, but I never engineered anything later on, except business. Uh, I, uh, I worked for eight years in four different countries uh, for uh, Dior at LVMH, and I was the, the chief of staff of the international managing director. Um, it was a big international company; there were 82 countries, um, and uh, so it was. Uh, it was uh, maybe when I, I got the taste of uh, international business and and uh, how I got the virus, I guess, <laughs> um, and uh, and then I, I chose to uh, uh, to leave this kind of comfortable uh, company, to be honest, to uh, to take a big stretch and uh, become an entrepreneur. I uh, I started a, a food delivery business in Paris in 2017, uh-huh. uh, maybe a tiny bit early in terms of timing versus the uh, the trend of quick commerce afterwards, um, but uh, no regret. Uh, it, it didn't really take off, uh, and so I closed it uh, just early 2020 before. Before uh, before lockdown, Uh, again maybe not the greatest (laughs) timing, but uh, no regret at all because uh, I learned a lot, and um, and that's uh, it's largely thanks to that that I had the opportunity to join Alma afterwards.
1: Pretty cool, and and Alma maybe in a few words.
0: Well, Alma is um, uh, um, a, a retail tech. We, we 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 like to say we're more retail tech than a than a fintech. Uh, we we provide uh, buy now pay later solutions, so instalments and uh, deferred payments uh, mm-hmm. that um, that help uh, merchants sell better and consumers buy better. Um, yeah, the the product is pretty simple. Uh, you, as a merchant, you you offer payment terms to to your clients. Uh, let's say uh, pay in three or pay in four. Um, it helps them. Um, you know, convert quicker or upgrade uh, to the to the model uh, they prefer and uh, and increase the average basket. Um, mm-hmm. And the, that payment is uh, guaranteed for the merchant. We uh, we we guarantee that the merchant gets 100% of uh, of the sale, and we mm-hmm. take the risk uh, of and manage the operations of collecting the money from uh, from everyone, and mm-hmm. obviously scoring because we uh, uh, we cannot accept 100% of, of the clients. Uh, there uh-huh. are people that are sometimes ill-intentioned. <laughs>
1: <laughs> <laughs> okay, very clear. Uh, before deep diving, I would say uh, uh, in in today's matter, let's go. You know, maybe with the icebreaker uh, that's you know I, I started to do on the season two of this podcast. Could you speak a number between one and six, and I'll read you the question, and it's gonna be up to you to answer however you you feel like it.
0: All right, um, let's say one.
1: Number one. So, what is a person? That inspires you and why?
0: Oh, uh, well, there are many. okay uh i don't know a bit random the first one that came to my mind uh maybe because i had a dis- discussion about him yesterday night is uh david attenborough <laughs> okay. uh, he's david. <laughs> uh he's the uh the guy that does all the documentaries on the bbc uh uh-huh. he's been doing that for like 60 years but basically forever um and uh, the guy has had an amazing life uh he's uh, really passionate about what he does passionate about the, the planet itself um, and he has a, an amazing way of filming and commenting on uh, uh-huh. natural documentaries. Um, I highly recommend watching his documentaries. Uh, there's a chance you will fall asleep. Uh, it <laughs> happens many times. Uh, but it's a really great way to fall asleep. And uh, and and uh, catching up the day after is, is also great.
1: <laughs> is that because you really love documentaries that he inspires you? Yeah.
0: <laughs> Yeah, I do love documentaries, but um, I think the guy also built his own brand in the way he, uh, uh, you know, like he was very convinced from day one about what he was doing Uh uh, and about the importance of uh, showing nature to everyone. I Mm -hmm. guess the mission evolved uh, 60 years ago. It was not really about uh, uh, climate change and all of that yet, Um, but uh, the guy has always Wrote, I think, a different angle uh, that what existed in the industry at the, at that time, mm-hmm. and uh, he's managed to do that consistently for decades and stay mm-hmm. on top of the game. And I. I- I genuinely think he's the best ever in terms of uh, natural documentaries, uh, and that's quite <laughs> a performance doing it. Uh, like he's still 90 years old, and well, now is Sir David Attenborough. Obviously, he's been uh, he's become noble uh, by the Queen because um, he's, he's just very very amazing. I think
1: nice. <laughs> I mean, you know, fair enough. Like they say, uh, it's great and it's difficult to reach the top, but it's even more difficult to stay at the top. Therefore, exactly. Um, I can uh, I can relate to that. All right. Well, perhaps. Could you, I would say now, back to business, but explain a little bit more the business model of Alma, if you could tell us a bit more about the target markets, uh, the acquisition channels where you guys usually get your um, your uh, client from so that we get a better understanding?
0: Yeah, sure. Um, well, uh, Alma, as I explained, is pretty simple to understand. You know, people pay in installments and merchants get paid immediately. Uh, it's easy to uh, explain. It's it's much harder to uh, pull off um, because basically you need to uh, uh, you have a lot of tech. You need to be integrated into all the uh, the, the checkout pages of the merchants. Uh, sometimes it's custom websites. Sometimes it's uh, through Shopify, Magento, uh, Prestashop, etc., uh, Salesforce. So we have tech integrations and modules ready uh, for for all those um, all those platforms. Uh, also POS uh, systems uh, mm-hmm. so that we we integrated in shops uh that's uh, so on the tech side that, that's quite uh, uh quite important to be to make it easy for merchants to integrate us and uh, that was one of the biggest uh, uh, added value of Alma a, a few years ago on the French market mm-hmm. that for competitors it would take weeks or months to integrate and with mm-hmm. us it was like hours or couple of days uh right. and um that that made a big difference uh then there's the the, the scoring part as i said uh, there, are, there are fraudsters that try to you know pay just the first in, installments disappear into nature and and resell the goods they just bought for uh, a quarter of the price um so so we have to have a, a, a instant uh, instant decision making uh mm-hmm. when Uh, When we see uh, someone say, okay, are we ready to trust those guys to uh, trust this guy to to pay us back uh, Mm -hmm. in the next uh, two, three months? uh, Or are we not? Because we are committing to pay the merchant in full tomorrow morning or in a couple of days. So, uh, so that that involves uh, a risks algorithm and uh, machine learning actually algorithm, uh, mm-hmm. and uh, so quite uh, quite advanced uh, tech uh, there as well. And finally, uh, there's financial engineering in this um, because since we advance the cash to to merchants and then get paid uh, uh, in a couple of months later. Um, we have a need for cash, especially mm-hmm. since we've been growing uh, super fast um, and um, basically using uh, VC money to with an interest rate uh, model doesn't really work. So we need to actually um, uh, take debt from uh, big, in, big debt investors. Uh, and uh, basically what we do is take money wholesale and uh, sa- and lend it in retail <laughs> we we, <laughs> we 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 lend money so so and uh we we had to do the the financial engineering of that with uh, securitization and, and um uh, and quite uh, sophisticated mechanisms as well, uh, so that we attract that uh, investors, that they are confident enough in our track record to lend us money that we mm-hmm. then lend to, to consumers, uh, and without doing this on our own balance sheet. Um, okay. So that's kind of the complexity under the hood of, uh, of Alma. And in terms of acquisition, then you got it. The the, the partners uh, being uh, available on, um, on all the... Uh, the, the cms software and the past software is a is a big thing it kind uh, uh uh it helps us grow fast but we also have direct sales uh because they're also Lots of customers have uh, uh, their own website that they build themselves and that do custom integration of our API. Um, and the mix varies, I would say, per vertical, uh, per size of uh, of, uh, of merchant. The big ones, it's more direct sales or huge partners. Uh, mm-hmm. The medium ones, I would say, it's more direct sales, um, and the small ones, it's more through partnerships and uh, and indirect integrations.
1: Okay, and uh, what I wanted to ask you is, do you have some examples? Because I understand you can serve many different types of customers, but do you have an ideal type of customers, the ICP?
0: Haha, <laughs> uh... <laughs> that's that's a very interesting question because uh, payment is quite universal um, mm-hmm. in general. Uh, By now, pay later is a bit less universal. Um, we actually uh, differentiate ourselves with a, a more responsible approach to lending. And so, for instance, uh, we never do uh, what some of our competitors do uh, in the UK or in the US, for instance, uh, that is um, uh, let you pay in three for your grocery shopping every week. Uh, mm-hmm. We don't think that's helping people um, and, um, and so, uh, we, we kind of uh, restrict our markets to the industries, the, the, the types of purchase where it makes sense. Um, I'd say the ICP may be like, it, so, so we have several profiles, but one that maybe stands out a little bit is everything, uh, you can be passionate about, you know, if you're passionate about skis, uh, you can buy skis in for installments. It makes sense mm. because you're going to keep them for several years. If you're passionate about Fishing, uh, kitesurf, um, uh, also high-tech uh, um, cycling. Uh, we have a lot of bikes. We have uh, uh, a lot of furniture as well because it makes sense. It's an investment when you move. Uh, you know, a sofa. Uh, it makes sense to to, to kind of. Uh, uh, if you just moved the you 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 probably have experienced it. You have quite a cash uh, cash intensive uh, uh, operation, and it can be good to uh, to. They can help you to, to split your payments and, you know, all these kinds of situations make a lot more sense than just a grocery store. So um, a variety of uh, of profiles, I would say.
1: All right. And when you spoke about direct sales, just for my understanding, you're literally talking about uh, AEs or account executive salespeople that are that have dedicated accounts or territory accounts, and then, you know, they have to just go and, and do some uh, outbound outreach?
0: Absolutely. Yeah, we... Um... Our structure uh, evolves. Uh, we have uh, specialists per vertical, or per size, uh, okay. or per country, etc., and uh, uh, also per task with now some uh, BDRs that just took the demos, and the account executives then uh, follow on. Um, and we also have an important uh, self-service channel, actually, uh, That oh, was uh, that's amazing, to be <laughs> honest. It's, uh, I think, one of the big strengths of the model is that um, up to 20% of our uh, merchants connected Alma and use Alma uh, without ever talking to us
1: all right yeah that's definitely great for growth curious to know um, how much of that is useful for your international expansion <laughs> <laughs> no but yeah I mean you know that's the that's the that's the golden way that we're all trying to do right if they can do it uh, do it themselves and it's great um, can you share the average deal size or you know like at least what's the average sales cycle length looking like
0: uh, again, it's a it's a wide variety. We have more than eleven thousand merchants now, um, mm. and, uh, it ranges from uh, you know local uh, camera store <laughs> uh, or like you know, small equipment to Maison du Monde mm. uh, in France, <laughs> um, and so yeah, we have merchants that do. 10,000 euros per year Mm. and merchants that do tens of millions per year.
1: Mm. All right. So yeah, definitely a wide variety as you mentioned. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) What about your, um, I would say, um, the states of your global expansion? Where are you at right now? When did you guys start? Which countries are you currently in right now?
0: Yeah. So I think we started thinking about internationalization like really... Yeah, seriously thinking about it two years ago. All right. Um, and uh, long story, like the conclusion is that today we, we we take payments from ten countries, uh, France plus nine new uh, new territories. Uh, those are I can name them normally um, geographically, starting from northwest. That would be Ireland, Portugal, Spain, Italy, um, uh, Germany, Belgium, Netherlands, Luxembourg. Austria.
1: That's quite a fair amount of countries that you guys have.
0: <laughs>
1: <laughs> Do you have some that are more mature than than others in terms of business?
0: Yeah, yeah, we don't we don't put the same uh, level of focus on all of them. Mm-hmm. Um, the uh, uh, the our, uh, we have let's say the the five most important are Spain, Italy, Germany, Belgium, and the Netherlands. Mm-hmm. Uh, historically, Belgium was pretty easy to start uh just because so many french merchants uh, were already selling to germany uh, sorry to belgium um and uh it was like very easy to activate was, uh, mm-hmm. so we had we had uh, uh, we, we kind of we had a, a wave to ride uh, pretty uh, pretty simply mm-hmm. um uh and then um the thousand europe markets were the uh, uh the, the prime target for us because it's uh there are markets that are driven by card payments and uh, our, our product initially was based on cards because in france we're used to paying by card mm-hmm. um debit or credit and we don't often don't even see the difference um uh and uh also kind of a lot of smbs as well where alma has been uh, very successful so uh, we took those as our prime uh, prime targets mm-hmm. um Italy uh, took uh, took off uh, a bit faster, uh, and um, and yeah, we we're, not, we're now processing. Uh, it, Italy is now uh, uh, at, at the same level as, as Belgium for us, and, oh, and right. but growing but growing fast. Mm-hmm. Um, and um, and then we had the the, the, the northern uh, countries. Sorry, uh, so so. Netherlands and, and Germany, which are actually uh, different because they're not card uh, countries. And we, we kind of knew that, but we realized it uh, more when we, when we started really focusing on it. Um, for instance, there's just like less than one in four German that has a card that, uh, that works online. Uh, they mm-hmm. have cards that work only uh, in physical stores. Um, the beauty they... of
1: dealing with local specificities. <laughs>
0: yes, exactly, exactly. Uh, and so we we've had to adapt our product, um, and uh, uh, yeah, it's been quite an intense uh, product work to 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 get to good product market fit in all of those five markets.
1: Mm. And and that's uh, also definitely one of the hurdles whenever you you go abroad to. To try to go into market, but then uh, you know as well maybe not have too many many modifications you need to do on your uh, on your product. Otherwise, it starts being a little bit hard to uh, to to scale. I would say, but yep. that's not today's yep. topic. Actually, um, today's topic is more around setting up the best HQ organization so that we can effic- uh, efficiently scale internationally. We we had a, a discussion prior to this call. I mean, to this interview right now. Why is that topic important to you? Uh,
0: well, uh, it's important because it's actually uh, half of the game. I'd say uh, initially, you just focus on what needs to be done locally, um, uh, and you know we we easily thought about a kind of framework that said okay we're gonna start start exploring see if there's any opportunity then uh, we called it so the exploration phase then the landing phase where we do an mvp uh, and we even try to to get the first accounts uh, working and uh, get some feedback of that then mm-hmm. the pioneering phase where okay we we start Pushing more commercially, see how fast we can grow on, on one market, and then eventually would reach a kind of scaling phase uh, where we we industrialize uh, the processes. That was pretty straightforward, you know, it's like typical uh, internationalization playbook. Uh, and what we didn't realize is that there was almost as much work to do on the on the HQ side, uh, because, uh, but also partly because we were internationalizing a company that was just three years old mm-hmm. um, and in a hyper growth phase uh, in its domestic market. And so all the HQ teams, well, there were French teams <laughs> mm-hmm. um, and uh, they were uh, already running after uh, the, 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 the French growth and uh, just trying to keep things together um, and uh, and, um, and manage a, uh, hyper hyper growth phase of the company, which is in itself, you know, it's uh, it's quite a challenge. And so, yeah. um, so uh, uh, I, I guess it's not the same to start inter- internationalization in a company that's ten years old and that has like robust process and a kind of maturity in the teams and and uh, and and, uh, and maybe. Bit of slack as well that there are people that are not so busy and that could help. Uh, we were in a situation where everybody was super busy, uh, super stretched already, and we were just adding nine countries.
1: <laughs> yep, I was uh, <laughs> going to ask what were the challenges that you identified at the start where you said, "Okay, guys, we need to have an actual organization to make this work on our headquarters."
0: Yeah, well, that, that 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 was the idea because basically, we I quickly realized that I couldn't say uh, I couldn't say okay. Now, uh, we do 0% of our volumes abroad, but everybody's going to spend 20% of their time on it. Uh, mm-hmm. That was just not an option. Uh, and so we had to take a more, uh, let's say, pragmatic approach uh, mm-hmm. and with a dedicated team um, where we, we started just doing everything we could we were not experts in every uh, dimension of course but we were uh, generalist and able to do enough <laughs> to get the to get the ball rolling
1: when you say a dedicated team how many people do, uh, are we talking about and what kind of profiles
0: yeah uh we're not talking about many people we're talking about uh Uh, three uh, Mm -hmm. three to four Um, at the beginning we were like okay each one's going to take one market um, and uh, study the opportunity uh, make some make some calls Uh, even if we don't speak the language we're going to we're going to try see if people reply uh, and try to gather some insight and see see how we can go Um, there were actually that that was for the sales but there was also since we are a a regulated business um, uh, in financing we we also had a, a lot of uh, uh, legal and regulatory research to do to find the right setup in every market mm-hmm. uh, and passport our licenses and all of that and mm-hmm. then so this this team was kind of laying down everything that needs to be done identifying what needs to be done even on the product side we didn't realize uh, everything that had to be done until we kind of start digging into it uh, I'd say it's a bit like when you move apartment. you know, that's, that's the, that's the time where you realize all the stuff you've got. Uh, And
1: (laughs) (laughs) at that time question, like, did you start when you say it took three to four people, were those people already in the HQ? Was it just like salespeople? And then you took like 20% of their time to dig into market opportunities? Is that what you did? No, no,
0: no. Uh, No, it's, uh, it's, it's. the, the luck we had, I guess, is that uh, I had created a business operations team um, uh the the role of that team uh when i joined alma we were 25 employees in september 2020 uh and now we're 400 mm-hmm. um and the 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 role of the business operations team has been to fill in the gaps in the organization okay. uh, because as you can imagine when you grow at that pace uh there are many things that break or gaps that uh, appear in the organization mm-hmm. and the 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 we had a small team of yeah four people to um uh, Uh, take the lead on transversal projects, you know, that involve several teams, but where there's no leader at the moment. Uh, Also incubate some uh, functions that the, the, the company didn't have yet, but was starting to need. For instance, uh, I acted as head of partnership for like nine months until I, Recruited someone to do it better than me and scale it, mm-hmm. uh, but we we were kind of uh, it's a team of former entrepreneurs or former mm. consultants, sometimes both, <laughs> uh, <laughs> and um, and they were just there to fill in the gaps and do the best they can, and then find uh, people more specialized, uh, more expert to, to 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 continue in the in the in the right direction, um, and so it was natural to take some of these people uh, to do the initial uh, work on on opening new countries.
1: All right. Therefore, it was three, four people in the business operation teams that work on... um market research, like market opportunity study. So once you got that done and I guess identified uh, the different uh, opportunities that were there, like what happened next when you started to open markets? Like how did the HQ and yourself like organize yourself so that it would help and support the growing market?
0: Yeah. So basically when we we had figured out uh, mostly, uh, you know, the regulatory part was the big thing because uh, uh, sales-wise, we there were a few competitors, and I think market research never replaces just getting there and uh, mm. uh, getting doors smashed in your face. That's uh, the to be the the best market research. Mm. Uh, but so we didn't do <laughs> a long market research. Uh, mm. We just did more like a prep work on legal and all of that but uh, but then uh very quickly we what we had to do is uh how is get the commitment from the 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 teams that were closest to the core, that is basically product and ops. Like we couldn't do, uh, we couldn't process payments in other countries without uh, some bandwidth from uh, product and ops. Mm-hmm. Uh, product because, uh, well, we need to translate everything, localize uh, the the address formats, the, the local payment methods and all of that. Um, and ops because... Uh, if a merchant calls you, or if a consumer calls you, because they've lost their card and they want to know how to change it or whatever, you have mm-hmm. to know you you have to have someone that can reply, and uh, ideally in the customer's language. So those are the first two things we did. We had uh, uh, what we called an impact team uh, dedicated mm-hmm. on the on the product side. There was a squad with uh, one product manager and a few devs, and uh, we hired uh, uh, in our ops team some people that spoke. Uh, each language. Right. That was the basis, uh, the, the the first commitment. Uh, we chose, however, to uh, voluntarily leave some gaps <laughs> and not cover everything. Uh, and the the, the, the most uh, 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 let's say uh, uh, illustrative example is the uh, is risks uh, risk management. Uh, mm-hmm. At the beginning, we we didn't invest in you know localizing our uh, algorithm and uh, and, uh, and 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 machine learning uh, to, to score well on, uh, on every new market mm-hmm. just because uh, that wasn't critical to confirming that there was a market opportunity. The worst case in the, uh, of this was that it would cost us money. It was also at a time where money was accessible
2: <laughs> and so uh,
0: uh, so it was a relatively easy choice to say okay it's going to be a small fire we know we're going to lose too much money on that but it doesn't uh, jeopardize uh, the potential of the market and uh, let's catch up in a few months to if, if this fire becomes big we'll, uh, we'll extinguish it but uh, mm. we don't need a proper risk management uh, and uh, scoring uh, from day one on every market.
1: And just as a parenthesis, did it backfire afterwards or was it a good choice to not to leave this gap in risk management? <laughs> <laughs> uh,
0: well uh, in most countries it remained a small it remained a small fire and we didn't lose much money. Okay. Uh, we've had... Uh, a good flame uh, in Italy. We we had uh, a few fraudsters. Uh, we were un- we were unlucky. We had some, uh, and um, we tackled this that fire then when, when we got it. But uh, we had a, a nice flame. Yeah.
1: Mm, all right, all right. So, I mean, th- <laughs> think, thinking back though, right now, if you if you just think back about what, what you guys did, do you think it would have been better to still fill that gap from the start, or do you think that anyway it was worth it? It was worse. The the problems afterwards.
0: Yeah. No. No. I don't have any regrets because uh, 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 time uh, timing is everything, and we we needed to move fast uh, on each market to learn fast. And um, you know, if you start trying to get ready uh, to to have the perfect launch, uh, I think that it never happens. You know, you're mm. you're you're too late to the party. Uh, so no, I don't. But I mean. Uh, no, I don't. I don't regret. Anyways, you, I don't think you. Uh, I would say never judge the decisions based on the results, based them on the, the information you had at the te- at the time you took them.
1: Of course, of course, that's that's wise advice. But uh, you know, sometimes you you can just wish maybe you did differently. But, uh, <laughs> <laughs> all right. So you mentioned then, ops and products uh, that were involved also quite quickly after like the first uh, operation team that you put together, and then after that are they still like a lot involved even though the maturity of the market gets better with time or it gets different now?
0: Uh, yeah. So, um, it's, um, it's, it's, they're getting definitely more and more involved and, uh, that's great because it's, uh, I take it as a, a proof of success. Um, uh, because, uh, uh, international is, is weighing more and more actually on the, on the business results. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, we're getting to a scale where uh, it becomes interesting to to spend some of the time and so now we don't uh, we are we're getting into a phase where we don't have to ask for support uh Mm -hmm. people actually uh, want to support and come uh that's great i think um the um it raises other questions <laughs> uh in terms of ownership and who's responsible of what because uh, mm-hmm. at the beginning basically the the team that drives the the launch at international mm-hmm. is responsible of everything uh even though we don't have 100% control on everything because we, mm-hmm. we chose to let some fires you know uh, burn and uh, and uh we were not gonna uh, code our own uh, risk uh, algorithm or stuff like that. Uh, we were, we were you're dependent on, on specialists all, all the time. Um, but uh, sorry, to, to, long story short, the, uh, what happens now is that um, we, Every, uh, like, we, we got away from just the core teams. Uh, we are in the second circle. Uh, okay. legal, uh, legal risk and other teams are, are, are supporting. Uh, we changed also the product organization. We don't have dedicated bandwidth anymore. Uh, right. we are, we've we entered in, a, in the regular uh, product uh, uh, process where, you know, an improvement in uh, Netherlands uh, is compared to uh, another product's uh, improvement opportunity in France, and we just uh, prioritize based on impact. So we've, 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 okay.
2: we
0: I think, it's great. We're now in a more business as usual uh, way of uh, of uh, improving uh, our, our product in, in every market. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the, uh, I'd say the, 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 new questions are, uh, how do we, uh, how do we adapt our rituals and how do we, uh, how do we define the, the responsibility and the ownership, the typical debate, which is hard to, uh, to, uh, uh, to conclude I'd say is uh, whether you want uh, business unit ownership like you have someone in charge of the p l of a country
2: mm-hmm. or uh,
0: someone in charge of the, a, a specific product let's say uh, because we have several products uh, like p3p4 or longer installments stuff like that uh, but across geographies uh, or uh, do you have a more functional ownership uh, saying that, well, sales drive sales, and uh, risks uh, drives uh, the loss rates uh, 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 on the on the payments. And
1: um, and what did you guys pick? Because that's uh, a <laughs> debate that's endless, and everyone has yeah. different opinions on it for sure.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, it's uh, uh, d- let's say the default mode at the moment is more of uh, of uh, functional ownership. Mm-hmm. Um, inspired by what other big fintechs do. Uh, uh, Well, so we're we're obviously influenced by that. We we try to benchmark ourselves, Uh, but we still have also kind of a business unit ownership on international because it's not at the scale, exactly at the scale yet where it can be fully uh, integrated in all the functions.
1: All right. Therefore you have some kind of, I would say cross ownership Right in between, uh, like functional, and then, uh, and then yeah. um, country. I mean, at the country level.
0: Yeah, but and to be honest, I'm I'm starting to wonder if the way to end that debate is not that actually you need a bit of both, uh, because. Uh, <laughs> uh, <laughs> Because I, because I think that what we do eventually between countries, between functions, everything, is fundamentally teamwork. Mm-hmm. And so trying to partition everything uh, into, uh, you know, they say the consultants say, mutually ex- exclusive, collectively uh-huh. exhaustive. It means you do small boxes and everyone has their own and there's no overlap anywhere. Uh, I think that's kind of wishful thinking. It doesn't happen uh, in, a, in, a, in a teamwork uh, environment. Mm-hmm. Um, and so we we must be okay actually having responsibilities that overlap a little bit uh, and not trying to split uh, split everything. I, I, I sometimes take the analogy of rugby because uh, it was Six Nations uh, lately. Uh, you know, when is uh, there is there a, is there a, a different responsibility uh, based on uh, if you're a forward or if you're uh, on the, on the aisle on the side? Sorry. <laughs> uh, what matters at the end is that the the team uh, scores and I'm not sure they give different incentives uh, depending on what's your role in the team or, or, you know, say you're responsible for that. It's eventually what matters is that uh, the team wins.
1: <laughs> That's for sure. At the end of the day, it's always the end results that people are going to look at, you know.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah.
1: No, very, very, very thoughtful. And uh, I also agree with the fact that it's uh, like every organization has a different way of doing it. And most of the time, even though sometimes they say A, a few months after they say B, just because things move and, and you just want to make sure all the time that it's efficient at every level. Um, now, I would say with um, 10 countries total, how do you manage to have, an I would say, an efficient coordination between different countries? Because at some point you also have to, share the knowledge to share i don't know product updates etc so how does that work smoothly how do you make sure that the knowledge especially knowledge and and uh and and other specificities of your industries and your products circulates and uh, get to all the teams
0: yeah well it's uh it's always a work in progress. I say there's always a room for improvement and to to improve internal communication. Uh, one ritual that we try to stick to is to have uh, quarterly business reviews with every market, um, and then share the notes uh, with the whole company, explaining very clearly where we are, what we've learned in the last quarter. Uh, where we want to go long term, what is the challenge we're facing for the next quarter and what we and how we want to tackle it. Mm-hmm. And more importantly, what we need as support from the rest of the organization. Mm-hmm. Uh, and we try to be very concise and precise, clear on that and do it uh, regularly. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's something that's very appreciated, I think, uh, by everyone. It gives visibility. Um, and also creates a sense of uh, teamwork and belonging. I think.
1: Mm. All right. So QBRs, I would say, like it's more like a general level. Do you have other kind of rituals? I don't know yourself if you're involved with all these different markets. Um, how do you, you know, uh, more like I would say on a day-to-day basis, how do you make sure yeah. that uh, that you know, again, knowledge, etc., like it's
0: Yeah, we we have uh, we have a, a weekly. Um, 30-minute meeting uh with the the sales teams from all markets where we also invite anyone who wants to join in terms of ops risk product just to 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 they are they're always invited they don't come all the time but mm-hmm. they have a they slots with if they want to know what's happening mm-hmm. um and uh we we also encourage a bit of uh, traveling uh, uh we try to be conscious of our uh, carbon footprint so it's not mm-hmm. a lot uh but it's still important for for teams to meet uh and create uh, informal bonds um the, so there's also the offsites where obviously everybody's invited um mm-hmm. yeah i'd say uh, we, there's not so much travel involved. Uh, we do okay. a lot, of, a lot remotely, but uh, we try to keep uh, frequent and clear uh, communication.
1: All right. I think that's always the one of the hardest thing to get to get done well: communication. And I just learned across the years that you never communicate too much. Like there's no such thing, and and especially when there are different cultures involved, mm-hmm. <laughs> things get lost in yeah. translation sometimes
0: yeah yeah, yeah. The, I, I would say uh, the quantity is not the issue it's mostly the quality because uh, a lot of communication can create noise uh, mm-hmm. uh, and some and that can be actually counterproductive uh, but a lot of good communication creates confidence
1: that's wisely said <laughs> 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 and and yourself i would say how much are you involved right now into the into each market development? Are you more into a uh, oversighting role, or are you really into details with your teams? Mm. <laughs>
0: um, it, 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 ver- it it varies. I would say uh, I'm not in the details of all countries at the same time. Yeah. Uh, that I would I think just uh, burn out pretty quickly. Yeah. Uh, I uh, I I try to push each team to clearly express the big picture and what's the number one thing that that's important for them uh, to prove. Um, and once this is expressed clearly, they have full autonomy to do it. Mm-hmm. Uh, um, and so I don't I don't dive too much into uh, you know like uh, the, the the content of the sales page or stuff like that. I, mm. I I try to I try to focus my attention on making sure that we are making progress on the big picture. That we are we're we're focusing our efforts at the right place.
1: Mm. All right. So if we talk about uh, routines so or like rituals, you mentioned you guys do QBRs with everyone involved. Uh, you have like weeklies of thirty minutes, a little bit with like each market especially like self esteem and you do a little bit of travelling being conscious of environment cost etc because that's a different world we live in right now
0: mm, yeah if i made the uh, the The next frontier for us um it was not so important for now Uh uh, because we're focusing mostly on cracking uh, local merchants on local markets is uh uh, is to learn as an organization how to be super efficient on actually international deals uh, where you have one client that's interested in several markets and you have Uh specific specificities in several markets and uh, you know uh I don't think we need 100% of our of our sales team to master mm-hmm. uh, the complexity of uh, doing business across uh, ten countries, um, but we certainly need to have a, a, a part of it, uh, kind mm-hmm. of top guns that are able to uh, uh, to exchange uh, with international uh, players um, mm-hmm. and uh, and be cr- be super knowledgeable and uh, and uh, and uh, bringing value to to discussion on how we're gonna help them uh um, across the board on on all the on all their geographies
1: and how do you currently deal with this do you have an owner in in the hq and that works with like the different i would say like geographies to get this done or how do you currently do that
0: I would say we do it uh in good spirit uh when mm. someone has a deal uh, they 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 know who they can contact uh it's mm. not super formalized yet. <laughs>
1: <laughs> As you said this is the next frontier right for you guys. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Sounds good. But, uh, All right.
0: But it's uh, again, maybe just to finish actually that's another small fire that we voluntarily uh let burn mm. uh because uh, to us, the biggest risk, uh, and we like the de-risking framework, you know, for a startup, the, the biggest risk when we launch a country, it was not uh, to not be able to convince French merchants to work with us in those markets.
1: Mm-hmm. Uh,
0: the biggest risk was to not be able to convince local merchants to work with us. And so um, we didn't work so much on activating the French merchants abroad uh, mm-hmm. on the on on first year, uh, and even until now, uh, so we still have a lot of potential. That's great. Uh, yeah, definitely <laughs> uh, that's, that's great. We uh, yeah we, we we focus mostly on on, on winning local deals uh, to to because that gives us a lot more confidence that our product uh, fits locally. Because basically, when you have a, a French merchant, that's happy with you uh, uh, abroad. If it's 5% of his business, you know, it's not very demanding. Mm-hmm. Uh, when you have a local merchant and it's 100% of their business and they're happy, it means your product works really well. So, so we focused on that first.
1: As you still said, it means you still have like a, a lot of potential because if you didn't manage what I would call cross-selling opportunities yet, you know, still leave some room to do even more business because usually those are a little bit more... Um, Easy I would say to, to get yeah, yeah, a they're,
0: they're they're low hanging fruit. The, yeah.
1: You guys the, didn't the, go after low hanging fruit for each uh, <laughs> each market. Yeah we expansion. we went
0: we we went for the for, for the hard bit first. <laughs> uh, and the uh, the the other reason also is that uh, you know there are your loyal clients, uh, mm-hmm. they're happy with you in France. Your product is not hundred percent mature in other markets and you have a chance of disappointing them as well. Mm. So uh, I prefer to go straight to the biggest challenge, make sure our product was really strong locally. And now we can uh, we can start this phase.
1: Uh, you can start this phase. All right, fantastic. Mm. Thanks a lot, Florian, for, for <laughs> everything you said today. Let's move maybe to that last part of the episode, the oops, my bad time. Oops, my bad. It's a few <laughs> minutes at the end, right, for you. So for any guest to share a mistake or a setback that has occurred during the country's opening mission, I would say any then country's opening mission, can you maybe think of a story you can share with uh, the audience today?
0: Mm. Well, there are many. <laughs> <laughs> uh, <laughs> there are many, uh, I'd say... Um, uh well I can, I can name two quickly uh, one i think was uh uh to optimize uh, to want to optimize the organization a bit too early yeah. uh and i started with with an organization for the whole benelux uh, saying we're going to have a team for the whole benelux because you know the market size uh, versus france germany uh, all the other countries it's like it would create a pocket that makes sense. And actually, uh, and that's usually what you see, you know, in mature companies, they have a team for Benelux. Uh, but actually, it's uh, it's really three different markets. Uh, the, not the same payment methods. Uh, it's baconic and bank contact in Belgium. It's Ideal in the Netherlands. Uh, mm-hmm. So 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 very different, uh, different languages as well um, and cultures. Um, and so I kind of underestimated, I'd say, the complexity of the area. Mm-hmm. Um, and and now we're we're having actually a more dedicated team to to make sure we we really fit to the local specificities. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that's maybe a beginner's mistake. I don't know. But, uh, <laughs> uh, we, we understood it uh, after after a few months. Um, and then and you the switch other one back be... to
1: to like just uh, people s- specifically targeting the Belgium market, right?
0: Yeah, yeah. Mm, right. And even in Belgium, you have like the Flemish-speaking ah, yeah. part and, uh, <laughs> and the French-speaking part. So it's like kind of, yeah, very, very different things. Uh, the, um, the other thing is, uh, sales freelancers Um, mm-hmm. we, we wanted to start really quickly, you know, and, uh, we didn't speak the language in some countries. So we hired sales freelancers to, uh, uh-huh. to help us, uh, knock on the first doors in, in every market. And, uh, that has been quite an epic fail, uh, to be honest. Ah, huh, that's very uh,
2: interesting. <laughs> why, why so? Why so?
0: Well, uh, I guess uh, it's hard to find good sales uh, across the board. Uh, and um, the, 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 the ones that were available, basically, uh, a bit on the shelf, uh, were... I wouldn't say they weren't good. Uh, they 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 had their qualities, but they didn't have the qualities we needed to launch a market. The, like because we, when you launch a market, you have to re-answer a lot of questions that. Uh, have long been answered uh, in your domestic market. For instance, who are my competitors? At what price should I sell? Uh, mm. How do I differentiate from uh, my competitors? What are the segments where uh, uh, my value proposition resonates? And and all of this that you kind of know, uh, you have to discover again. And uh, the profiles we found uh, quickly with test freelancers were actually more on uh, a repeatable uh, scalable uh, case where like uh, okay you already have the pitch you already have the target you have the pricing uh, you have the objections handling the battle cards everything they mm. can help you with that uh, to scale your sales uh, or to fill in the gap in the team but when it comes to actually uh, Re-answering all those questions uh, and it's not deeply story, understanding yeah. our product as well, because you, you need to go pretty deep mm. into our value proposition, understanding fine details. Uh, that didn't work at all. <laughs> <That's>, <laughs> but
1: but that but that's quite interesting because it, it just even though yeah, even without talking about freelancing, I think it's just talking back about the profile, the kind of profile you need to actually open a country. And uh, I'm just saying that because I had like the same. Um, I would say like question that I asked myself because recently we, for Germany, we decided to go uh, with a freelancer, but more for the BDR, BDR side to help our country manager. And we were debating, you know, freelancer, BDR, but we didn't know. And, uh, but for us, it was a little later, you know, after the first like groundwork. So I think it was okay, but for sure, yeah, I think it would have been difficult to have a freelancer, like a salesperson, typical salesperson uh, at the start. I agree with you.
0: Yeah I think you the it's a uh, uh... Maybe with the, the, an early employee, would, uh, like basically, I think it's a matter of uh, time. Like, uh, if you take a freelancer for three, four months, uh, it's not enough. Uh, they need to stay a long time um, uh, because they need to understand deeply the product and everything. And I think uh, the ideal case, but you don't often have it uh, because of language barriers, is to take one of your sales from mm, the domestic markets um, so that and uh, so that they can. Uh, uh, use their experience to uh, mm. to to uh, in the new markets. But as you uh, said, this the is ramp up phase is quite long.
1: Yeah, yeah, I agree. I agree with you. And time is of the essence usually yeah. uh, for international uh, expansion. So, very thoughtful. Thank you so much, Florian. Uh, I think that was My pleasure. very impactful, and uh, and hopefully the audience did learn as well uh, a lot, you know, from your uh, experience. I guess I just have to tell you now. Until next time.
0: With pleasure. See you soon.
1: I'll see you soon. Have a good one. Bye bye. Thank you. Thank you so much for listening until the end. If you liked this episode, don't forget to subscribe to not miss the next one. And please share it with two people in your network. This is how this podcast gets more visibility and can help more of us to work on international markets. See you soon.